I don't know if you guys feel like this, but sometimes it kind of feels like there are many different varieties of Jesus out there. I don't know if you ever get that feeling. Like, just kind of depending on who you're talking to or what group you are a part of, like, it's like a different flavor of Jesus, right? It's like, I don't know, like Baskin Robbins or something, like 31 different flavors of Jesus, which seems weird. Like, there shouldn't be so many different flavors of Jesus, right? There's only one Jesus. And so, you know, I think one of the reasons maybe or one of the things that happens if we're not careful is that we can mold Jesus into sort of our uh, image, right? We, we mold Jesus into our own image, and we can mold Jesus into sort of our own preferences and our own vision of what we think Jesus should be like. And, you know, I don't think most people do that on purpose. I, I don't think too many people are out there, like, purposely trying to mold Jesus into their own vision or their own preference. But I think one of the reasons why maybe that can happen is that sometimes we can get very, uh, that we can sort of uh, pick and choose, maybe pick and choose is not the right word, but we can, uh, we can sort of focus on certain aspects of the scriptures and certain things that Jesus says, maybe over and against others, right? That we really get kind of on like these particular things and get sort of narrow and myopic in terms of like what we emphasize and maybe what we de-emphasize. And so a, a term that some people use maybe to describe that is like uh, we, we, we sort of develop a, a canon within the canon. And so what we mean by that is like, so this book, like most people who are Christians would see this as sort of, these are the inspired books, right? These are the inspired books that we have from God, right? And so the theological term is this is the canon of scripture, right? The, these books. But sometimes what happens is that within this canon that we can have particular things that we really get fixated on and really emphasize, things that we really resonate with and we focus on those things and maybe sort of not so much focus on the other things, right? So in a sense, we develop sort of our own canon within this canon. And so again, I don't think most of the time, I don't think people are purposely trying to sort of develop their own kind of vision or own preference of who Jesus is, but just because we sort of can get somewhat um, narrow and myopic in what we tend to focus on and what we don't focus on in the scriptures, that we, we, we can sort of mold Jesus into sort of our own vision and our own preference and, our, uh, and, and really into our own image if we're not careful. And so the, the, the focus of our series in the Gospel of John is going to be Jesus untamed, like to really let Jesus speak for himself and to really let Jesus have his own say about who he is and what he is about in the Gospel of John. And so the nine passages that we've picked for this series are, uh, we pick passages where Jesus is talking a lot, right? That Jesus himself is saying a lot. And to really just sort of kind of get out of his way and let him say what he wants to say. And hopefully those of us who are going to be teaching during this series, that we wouldn't just be focusing on the things that he says where, you know, like we love, the, the things that we really love, the things that we really resonate with, the things that, yeah, you know, that, that, we're excited about, but that when he says some things in these passages, maybe we're a little less comfortable with, that are a little bit more difficult, that we would try to wrestle with those things. Okay, and so that is what this past, or that is what this series is going to be about, Jesus Untamed. And so if you guys have your Bibles, let's open up to John chapter 3. Okay, John chapter 3, and if you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We will put it up on the screen for you guys. So John chapter 3. You good? <laughs> uh, so John chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 21, okay? 
So uh, it, it's, a, it's kind of a long passage, but I, I, I mean, I think especially with the theme of the series, it would be good if we actually read the passage. And so I might read a little bit fast, but if you guys could uh, follow along with me, um, I'm going to read through this passage. So John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So there's our passage, right? So we, we have this story, and let's just kind of run through it. So we have this, this, this man named Nicodemus who comes to Jesus in the night, sort of kind of in, in the secret, right? He comes in the night, and it says that he is a ruler of the Jews or a member of the ruling council. So basically, uh, we understand that to mean that Nicodemus is a member of the Sanhedrin, right, which was the highest governing body for the Jewish people at this time. And also, we kind of know that during this time, there really was no separation between religious and political, right? And so he is a member of this council that is the highest religious and political governing body for the Jewish people. So Nicodemus is pretty high up there, right? He's like a member of Congress or Senate or something, or maybe you could even say that he's like a judge or something like that. He's, he's pretty high up there. And so he's coming to Jesus, sort of back-channeling in the secrecy of night. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Okay, teacher, we know that you are from God, because nobody can do the signs that they do unless God is with them. And so the first thing that I noticed that is that he says we. Right? I'm not sure if Nicodemus, like, maybe he said we, but he really means I. Like, maybe he's saying, like, I. Like, he has sort of a, a personally a soft spot for Jesus. And he's like, okay, I know that you must be from God. Like, so he, he knows that Jesus is not just, like, some crazy person. So I'm not sure if he, he said we, but he really meant I, or if he really does mean we. You know, that maybe the other members of the San other members of the Sanhedrin also recognize, like, okay, this is not just some like crazy dude. Like, 
There's something there. There's something special about this guy. Like, he has something from God. So I'm not sure which one he means, but he says, we know that you are from God. And so then Jesus, his response to Nicodemus is somewhat, like, it's somewhat metaphorical, a little esoteric. He says, uh, you can, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And uh, Nicodemus, his response, I, I detect a little bit of sass in Nicodemus' response. I don't know, a little bit of sarcasm, a little sass, right? He says, well, I mean, I know that I can't go back into my mother's womb, so like, you know, a little bit of sass, right? And then Jesus responds again, kind of in a metaphorical, sort of esoteric sort of way. Uh, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, uh, you must be born of water and the spirit. What is flesh is born of flesh. What is born of spirit is born of spirit. And so Nicodemus, again, he's just like, uh, I, Jesus, I just, I don't get it. Jesus explained, I don't understand what you mean. And so then Jesus, I detect a little bit of sass from Jesus then <laughs> at this point, right? He's like, you're the teacher of Israel. You don't understand these things. <laughs> like, so little, little, little bit of sass from, from Jesus. But then I think Jesus begins to speak much more plainly. Right? He speaks much more plainly in a way that Nicodemus will understand. And he refers to this story. He says, the, the, the son of, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man, and Jesus is referring to himself, so the son of man must be lifted up. Right? And so, you know, he's referring to this story in the Old Testament, which honestly is a weird story. You, can, you guys can go back and take a look at it. But, you know, there's this, this thing that happened back in the Old Testament when Israel was wandering in the wilderness, where there was this, like, outbreak of poisonous vipers, these poisonous snakes, right? And then all the Israelites are getting bit. And um, basically, God tells Moses, uh, I want you to erect this uh, bronze snake on a pole and lift it up, and then whoever looks at the snake... Uh, they won't die. They'll, they won't die of the poison from the snakes, right? And so, we, again, weird story, but uh, Nicodemus will know exactly what Jesus is talking about, right? And so Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he says, whoever believes in me uh, will have eternal life, right? So I think Jesus now is speaking very plainly to Nicodemus in a way that he can understand, right? He says, if you want to, see, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You must experience sort of this, this spiritual rebirth. And he kind of uses the imagery of wind, right? Like it's this sort of this invisible thing where you, you can't see the wind. You don't see where the wind comes from or where it's going, but you feel its power when it's blowing on you, right? So if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must experience this, this, this invisible spiritual rebirth. The way that is going to happen is you must put your trust and your faith in me. Right? As I am lifted up, you must put your trust and your faith in me, and then you will... Uh, be reborn. You will experience this rebirth. So it seems like that's what Jesus is saying. And then from there, John kind of goes into sort of his own commentary about, about this story, right? John the, the, the apostle, John the writer. Right? He, go, he kind of launches into his own commentary. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, right? The, probably the most famous Bible verse of all time. Um, and so he just kind of makes clear God's motivations, Jesus' motivations. Like, God, he sends Jesus for love, right, to save us. Jesus came for love, to save us. Uh, but then the, the following verses, I think, are maybe not quite as famous that we, we don't talk about as often. So maybe we could t look at those verses. Uh, John chapter 3, verse, John chapter 3, verse uh, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already 
because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So those are verses in this passage that maybe we don't talk about as much. And so maybe we could at least talk about them a little bit here. Where, you know, he's, you know, so he makes clear God's motivations. Jesus' motivations is he came to save us, right? But then he makes sort of this weird statement where he says, uh, if, if you trust in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you won't be condemned. Or another translation is judged. You won't be judged. But if you reject him, you're already judged, <laughs> right? And so um, I, I almost picture it like there's this, like, raging river. This raging river that leads to just certain death and destruction, right? And it's almost like Jesus is saying, look, I didn't come to throw you in the river, like if you reject me. I didn't come to throw you into the river. You're already in the river. You're already in the river, and you are being swept away to certain destruction. You just don't realize it. I feel like that's kind of what he's saying there. And so I came to save you. I didn't come to throw you into the river. I came to save you. I'm reaching out for you, and I will save you from this. But if you reject, if you reject me, uh, you're, already, you're already in the river being swept away. You're already condemned. I don't need to condemn you. You're already there. The verdict is already in, right? And so, you know, you can, do with what, you can do with that statement what you will, but it's almost like this balance of, like, on the one hand, Jesus wants to make very clear, I came for love. I came for love. I came because I love you. I came to save you, right? I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to judge you. But at the same time, very equally, he makes a statement, but if you reject me, you, you, I don't need to throw you into the river. You're already in there, and you're being swept away. You just don't realize it, right? And so equally, he, he, he wants to emphasize these two things. And so, you know, I, I, so here is, so I mean, I think it's pretty clear here what, what Jesus is saying to, to Nicodemus. And then from there, I think John kind of, he, he gives a little bit of commentary on Nicodemus himself and this, this, this incident or this episode of Nicodemus coming to Jesus in the night. I, I, I think there's a little bit of like a, a symbolism here in, in, how, in the commentary that John gives. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come, but people loved the darkness. Right? And, I mean, you got to remember that the, the scene here is this Nicodemus, this member of the Sanhedrin, coming to Jesus in the night, right, in the dark. Right? He doesn't want anybody to see. And he's, and he's like, okay, we know that you are from God. Right? Nobody can do the stuff that you're doing unless God is with them. So, you know, you have this scene where this guy's coming in the night, in the secrecy of the night. And so John, he has this commentary here at the end where he's like, you know, um, anyone who, no one who loves the light uh, hides in the dark. Right? And if you hide in the dark, it's because uh, you're afraid that you will be exposed. And so I, I don't know if Jesus actually says this in his conversation with Nicodemus, but I almost picture Jesus saying this to, to Nicodemus, like, do you really care about the truth? Because if you really care about the truth, then you would not be afraid to step into the light. But I know that you don't care about the truth because you, you're, you're, you, you hide in the darkness. You're hiding in the darkness because you're afraid that you'll be exposed. Right? I mean, I mean, he he said himself, "We know that you are from God." Yet we also know that the Sanhedrin eventually is going to try to get rid of Jesus and eventually wants to have Jesus killed. Right? So you have sort of this juxtaposition, and so it's like, do you really care about the truth? Because if you cared about the truth, anybody who cares about the truth is not afraid to step into the light. Uh, but you hide in the darkness because you're afraid that you'll be exposed by the truth. And so I think that's kind of the commentary that John is giving us. And so what I would like to do now is to reflect a little bit 
on Nicodemus. And I, I'm going uh, to pull a play from Pastor Dave's playbook here. I'm going to have you guys uh, do a little bit of discussing on your own. I know some of you guys hate this, but I apologize. I think it's important. But um, I want to ask you guys to, to get together with a couple people around you and just reflect on this question. What do you think held Nicodemus back? Right? I mean, clearly they have this sense that there's something about Jesus. We know that you're from God, Jesus. But something held him back from really embracing Jesus. And so I want you guys to reflect for just a few minutes, uh, just like five minutes. Um, what do you think were the things that maybe were holding Nicodemus back from really embracing Jesus and embracing the message of Jesus? Okay? So yeah, why don't you guys go ahead and do that? And then after you guys are done discussing, I'm going to ask some of you guys to share. Okay? Okay, so thank you guys so much for, for processing there. I think I agree with completely pretty much all of the things that you have said. And one that I would throw in there, which I kind of think we did say, but maybe not exactly in these terms, is um, maybe he just disagreed. <laughs> maybe he just disagreed with Jesus. Like, uh, okay, I hear what you're saying, Jesus, but I just don't agree with it. I, I, yeah, maybe he just plain disagreed with it. And so I guess in closing, um, maybe to try to kind of apply this to ourselves, like maybe... You know, here what we've sort of discussed and sort of projected onto Nicodemus and what held him back from fully embracing Jesus and his message that maybe we could try to reflect on for ourselves, right? Like, as we reflect on ourselves, are there any things that are holding us back from, you know, fully embracing Jesus, whether to follow him? Or maybe there are certain aspects of, you know, things that Jesus is calling us to or whatever where, you know, we're not fully embracing what we feel that Jesus has truly called us to do or what Jesus is saying. And maybe to reflect if any of these things might be holding us back as well, you know, whether it be pride, maybe that which Jesus is calling you to is um, maybe just too humbling <laughs> to obey for whatever reason, uh, fear, fear of what the people around you might think, or also just the fear of losing people that you care about very much. You know, like what is the fallout of me really truly embracing what Jesus says, right, and, and having some fear there? Maybe you just disagree. <laughs> maybe Jesus says something in the scriptures and you just, I don't like this. I disagree with this. I, I, just, I just can't get with you on this, Jesus. And, and maybe it's just a disagreement. You know, I, I don't want to listen to this, <laughs> Jesus. Or maybe self-interest. Like if, we're, if we can really be honest with ourselves in our heart of hearts, that maybe we're, we're not embracing something that Jesus is saying to us because we're, we're looking out for our own interests. We're looking up, up for our own you know, financial or material uh, interests, our own uh, influence, uh, our own clout, whatever it might be. But maybe there's some self-interest that is preventing us. So you know, I encourage you guys just to, to, to try to do some reflecting on those and see, like, is there any, any of that that is preventing me from fully embracing something that Jesus has called me to do? All right, let me close in prayer. Lord, uh, thank you so much for your word, and uh, I pray for just this series in the Gospel of John, and not just this series, but really our entire uh, pursuit of faith and our entire pursuit of our relationship with you, that we don't want to tame you or censor you or abridge you in any way. Lord, we want to know you. We don't want some version of you that we, you know, molded into really a, a version of ourselves, Lord, but we want to know you truly. And so I pray that you be with us as we go through this series. Help us to let you speak um, just whatever it is that you want to say and, and, and to wrestle with that in an honest way. Pray that um, you know, we can reflect on just the things that maybe are holding us back from fully embracing something that you have said to us or something that you have called us to, Lord. 
And so help us to, to come to an honest place with you. And Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in these areas? So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.